This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. We'd left Sebastian, our 13-year-old, in the car while we ran inside the office store to pick up some supplies. When we got back, Seb was excited. He said, this guy opened his door and hit the car. Hey, it's David, and you're listening to Leadership Without Losing Your Soul your source for practical leadership inspiration, tools, and strategies you can use to achieve transformational results without sacrificing your humanity or your mind in the process. Apparently it was funny because then he was surprised to find out that there was somebody in the car. Anyhow, Sebastian pointed out the small scratch on the door, but we laughed about it. I don't mind a few scratches on my car. You can't expect something that you take down the road at 60 miles per hour It gets rained on, there's road debris, and expect that it's going to remain unscathed in this pristine condition. If you're scared of scratching your car, you're never going to leave the garage. The only way that you can keep a car in that showroom condition is to leave it there. Your leadership is a lot like that. Fear of ruining your car keeps you from ever taking it out. Fear of making mistakes, ruining relationships, damaging your reputation, or maybe even losing your job. All of those fears also keep you from leading successfully. When you lead, it's normal to have some anxiety and fear as you face the unknowns and you take the risks that are going to move your team and organization forward. It's normal to have those fears. But if you don't learn how to manage them, you'll stay in the garage and you're going to make some critical leadership mistakes. Let's take a look at some of the mistakes that you make when you're scared, when fear keeps you from leading effectively. Number one, you don't deal with the very thing that needs attention. I'm sure that you're familiar with that feeling of unease that creeps up and makes you procrastinate or avoid doing something. Whenever you feel that, listen to it. But instead of doing what it says, avoiding the problem, use it as an alarm that's calling for your attention. Because often the thing that you feel like avoiding is exactly what should have your full attention. Dive in and get it done. And when you do that, you separate yourself as a leader from other people who avoid those things. In my career, I made a practice for myself that whenever I felt that that creeping voice of avoidance, that's the thing that became the most important thing. That's the MIT. Dive in, get it done, and you become incredibly effective, and you keep things from growing out of proportion. Number two, when you let fear prevail, you lose credibility. Even if you don't tell them what's going on, your team's going to figure it out. When you're paralyzed with fear, your leadership credibility slowly erodes. Your team may not know exactly what's happening, but they'll know that you're paralyzed. They'll know you're not acting. They'll know something's wrong, and you lose their trust. Number three, you feel like you're all alone. When you're scared, you forget your team. I've had this happen to me. It's one of these particularly brutal leadership mistakes because it cuts you off from one of your greatest strengths. Your team's smart, and working together, you can figure it out and get it done, but not if fear isolates you. When you're alone or isolated, everything grows out of proportion. So reconnect with your team and get a healthy perspective and engage all of those minds that are on the team in solving the problem. 
reconnect with your team to get a healthy perspective and engage all of those minds in solving the problem. The next thing that happens when you're working out of fear is that you get reactive and ultimately you cause chaos. Have you ever had a squirrel or a bird or some other wild animal get inside your house? They're scared and they panic and every little noise or motion sends them scampering or flying back and forth, climbing up the walls and they knock everything over. It's chaos. And when you're scared, you can do the same thing. I've seen leaders do this and I'm sure I've done it myself. You leave people around you frustrated and confused about their MIT, their most important thing, and expectations. Number five, you give up your ability to create the future. When you're motivated by fear, you stop building a positive future. You start focusing on avoiding problems. And you can't inspire your team with a message like, hey, let's try not to fail here. Instead, examine and prepare for the actual consequences, not just what you imagine, but what's actually going to happen. Your mind can play tricks on you, and you can grow imagined problems up to epic proportions. And again, that's why listening to your fear is so important. What is it that you're scared of? What what are you trying to avoid? Well, what would actually happen if it came to pass? What would you do then? If you can find people who've been in the same situations and learn what they did, that's even better. The point is you can reduce the imagined problem to its real life size, and then you know you can handle it and then get with your team to focus on building that positive future together, not just avoiding failure. Number six, you clamp down on information. I had a supervisor at one point that when they were feeling insecure, would get really tight and hold on to all the information, feeling that if they gave something up, it was somehow going to compromise their ability to make decisions. And the problem is that I like to say in the absence of information, people fill in the blanks with all sorts of pathological nonsense. It's just human nature. It's like we jump to the worst possible conclusion. And yet when you're afraid, you can often stop that flow of information because you're worried about communicating the wrong thing or you're not sure who you can trust. That feeds into the isolation. It cuts you off from the very people that can help you. Number seven, you avoid risks and you stifle your own personal growth. When you worry too much about making mistakes, you stop taking risks, like by definition, right? When you don't take healthy risks, you stop learning new things and you stop learning altogether. Leaders who don't grow lose their credibility. The world around you is changing. Your people are evolving. They're growing. So if you're not, your influence is going to decline. If you're a perfectionist or a high achiever, you might let your fear paralyze you because you worry about making mistake. But listen, even engineers launching a satellite into space have a margin of error. They know that margin of error that where they can operate safely. So mistakes are a good thing. They mean you're trying something new and you're stretching. Use them. Number eight, you don't apologize, own, and correct your mistakes. When leaders are frightened of being seen as a failure, it's common that they don't own up to their mistakes. They don't apologize. Effective leaders have the humility to own the ugly, as we say, admit their vulnerabilities, and take responsibility for their mistakes. That's a sign of strength. It doesn't make you weaker in your team's estimation. It actually proves that you're strong enough to take responsibility and own your weaknesses. And you give them permission to do the same thing when you role model it. Number nine, you become a victim. Over time, sustained fear erodes your ability to act. 
That's the definition of a victim. Well, this happened and there's nothing I can do. And when fear leads to victimhood, one of the best antidotes is to re-empower yourself. You can, you can do this by asking two simple questions. Number one, what are the results I want to achieve? What is it I really want to accomplish here? Not in terms of avoiding failure, not in terms of the worst case scenario, but in terms of the positive future you want to build, the results you want to achieve, the relationships that you want to invest in. What are the positive results that you bottom line really like to achieve? And then second, what can you do to achieve those results? When you start asking questions like that, how can I achieve these results? It re-empowers you because your brain finds what it's looking for. So if you're looking for reasons you're a failure, you're looking for reasons you're going to fail, you're looking at all of the worst case scenario, that's what you tend to find. That's what you tend to focus on. And this isn't a Pollyanna type of approach. The reality is when you ask yourself, how can I achieve something? You give yourself the chance to start making positive choices towards it. Even if your first positive choice is, hey, you know what? I don't know how to do that. I don't know how I can do that, but you know what I do know? I know how I can start to learn. I know who I can go ask. That's a positive step. You re-empower yourself and you get out of that victimhood. As soon as you start taking positive actions again, you lessen the grip that fear has on you. And you want to do that because number 10 is pretty bad. As a leader, you inspire fear in others. This is the worst of the leadership mistakes when you're afraid because Leaders recreate themselves. You're recreating who you are. Your team's learning from you. So if you stay in fear mode, it's not going to be long before your team starts acting the same way. I have seen this leader after leader where you've multiplied the leadership mistakes on this list across your entire team. Now your team is afraid to make mistakes. They're overreacting. They're unable to build a positive future. When that happens, it's time to take a hard look in the mirror and see if they're feeding off of your fear. So my invitation, my encouragement for you today is don't let your fear keep you in the garage. We need you out there making a difference. You're going to get a few scratches along the way, and that's okay. Overcoming your leadership fears can take some time, take some practice. But as you practice, you're going to find the situations that caused you two weeks of anxiety only give you maybe two hours of serious thought. I know the first time I had to, when I was a very young leader, I had to confront somebody about a performance issue. I agonized about it, and ultimately I had to let this person go, but I agonized about it for a month, two months, way, way too long. You know, But my heart was in the right place. I wanted to do the right thing and for her, for the team, for, for everybody involved. But it got to the point where as I practiced that and handled those situations, yeah, I give it a serious amount of thought, maybe an hour or two, and get to the right decision, and then go from there. And that'll happen for you too. If you're If you have an extreme fear of spiders, you don't overcome that by jumping into a tank of spiders. Maybe you start by reading about them, spending time near them in a safe environment, and then maybe even work up to hold one if you really wanted to overcome that fear. So what's the easiest step you can take? Is it to share your concerns with your team? Is it looking for someone who's been in the same situation that you're in now? Is it writing down the situation you need to address and planning for what the likely outcomes are and how you can overcome those? What is your first step to manage your leadership fears, stay healthy, and keep your people moving forward? And now it's time to answer a question. I love answering leadership management-related questions, so if you've got one, we'd love to hear it. 
You can send those to me one of two ways. You can email it at david.dye at letsgrowleaders.com or you can go to leadershipwithoutlosingyoursoul.com and there you will find an orange button. Click on that button and you can record your question. Leave us your name, where you're from, and we can use your question in a future episode. Today's question comes from Bryce. Um, Bryce writes, David, recently we did a leadership offsite where we worked really hard to define our company values and come up with definitions that make sense. And we looked at how those play out in day-to-day behavior. My question is, how do I ensure that all of that work doesn't go to waste? I've been a part of companies before where there's great values and there are posters on the wall, but nothing happens with them. There's a day of excitement and then it all evaporates. Thanks in advance for your advice. Bryce, this is a great question and it's definitely something that happens all the time to the point where you know values and mission statements and all of those sorts of things become cliches and the subject of Dilbert cartoons and all of that. So here's the thing. If you've got good definitions, they make sense for your team, for your organization, and you've done the work to translate those values into behaviors, things that people specifically do, the next step to making sure that 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 excitement and that work doesn't go to waste is you want to start looking for examples of those things in practice. And when you see it, celebrate it. You get more of what you encourage and celebrate. You get less of what you ignore or criticize. So be on the lookout. If you've got a value of integrity and somebody practices integrity in a a particularly strong way, celebrate it, champion it, tell the story. Every chance you get, you want to be looking for people doing those things, reinforce it, celebrate it. Um, Take the opportunity to reinforce at every meeting. Hey, what are our values? What does this one mean? Focus on one each meeting. Maybe you can rotate through once a week or every other week. Have other people be talking about it, demonstrating what was the best time, uh, the best example of this that that you've seen in the last week or two. You can use uh, podcasts like this, internal podcasts, and get senior leaders talking about them from different different perspectives. One of the most powerful things that uh, Karen and I have seen recently was a client we were working with had an offsite and they were talking about their values and the entire leadership team uh, went back and talked about different stories in their company's history where that leader had lived out or failed to live out a particular value. And then everybody discussed it. What was the value that was at play in that specific circumstance? What could they have done differently? What would you do in that that scenario? You can use scenarios like that. You can craft scenarios that are based on real-life examples from your organization and your team, and then talk about them. Give them to your team and say, okay, what are the values at play here, and what would you do? And let's talk about it. So those are just a couple of examples of ways to keep the values in front of of you and the team and your organization. Uh, One more I would... uh, highlight that I've had a lot of fun with in, in my career is create a, a silly but poignant prize for each value. So for instance, if you've got a, a value about endurance or uh, about uh, sticking it out or persistence or anything like that, you know, maybe a fun thing to do is to get a, a cheap wooden plaque and find a nice funky shaped rock. I mean, just from like outside on the ground, find a good rock glue that rock to the plaque, maybe even spray paint it gold. And you can have the golden rock award for somebody who is really good at enduring or persisting or a great embodiment of that value of persistence. 
And then once a year or every, or every six months, maybe it's a traveling trophy where you get to highlight those different things. It's just, it doesn't cost a lot of money. It's just a fun way to highlight and reinforce those values. So I encourage you to get creative and be looking for those things, but you want to be celebrating and you want to be encouraging. That's how you keep those values from going to waste. Find them in practice, tell the stories, be looking for people doing it in real life and celebrate, throw some confetti, make a big deal. And that helps everybody to know this really does matter. Thanks again, Bryce. And again, love to answer your questions. So send those in so we can use them on a future episode. Remember, it's normal to feel those fears associated with leadership. It's risky. You're going to make mistakes and that's okay. Don't keep yourself in the garage and prevent yourself from having increased influence and achieving more breakthrough results because you're scared of what would happen if it goes wrong. We need your leadership. Your team needs your leadership. And I know you can do it. Until next time, be the leader you'd want your boss to be. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.